Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Linux Downtime. I'm Joe and with me is Gary from Linux After Dark. Hello Gary. Hi Jay, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. So we're going to talk about Asahi Linux on M1 Max today. The alpha is finally upon us. You've been trying this on a Mac Mini. I've been trying it on my MacBook Air. We'll get to running it headless later, but first of all, how did you find the desktop? So I found it fairly usable with a number of caveats, which in fairness to the project aren't anything that isn't fairly well documented. So I'd made the mistake originally of trying to use it with USB-C video out because it's the spare input I had on the monitor, uh, which didn't work, which led to a little bit of panic to me when it booted to a black screen. (laughs) (laughs) But that was fine. Once I'd figured out I needed an HDMI and done a hard reboot, I was kind of good to go. Yeah, I really liked that they'd implemented the out-of-box kind of OEM experience. That was pretty slick. It was definitely refreshing compared to like a Raspberry Pi image or something where you just boot to a username and password prompt and then you have to go and look up what the default credentials are. That was quite nice. Uh, And that was a stark contrast to what I had in the server headless install, which I guess we'll get to later. Performance was fairly reasonable, even with no GPU acceleration. I guess the real missing thing was sound. Um, I couldn't get that to work particularly well. Did you not get that over HDMI then? I didn't try because my speakers are connected to a little Class D amplifier that I've got under the desk and I've got no speakers built into the monitor. So I possibly could have, but to be honest with you, I didn't try because I don't have it set up that way. Yeah, not having audio is the real killer for me at this stage because what I use a laptop for generally involves audio. And the MacBook Air only has two Thunderbolt ports. It doesn't have HDMI out, and so I couldn't get it onto my big screen. I've got a dongle, a hub thing, that has HDMI on it, but that didn't work. Yeah, I think because it's using DisplayPort over the USB-C ports, isn't it? That's the real issue. Yeah, so I couldn't really use it as a desktop, and I couldn't really use it as a laptop. So it's not that useful to me is the the problem right now in in sort of real terms. It's good to play with it and experience it. And it is fast enough to do most of what I need to do. And if I plug in a USB sound card or audio adapter thing, then yeah, it's fine. But that's not really the point of a laptop with amazing speakers like this. I guess it would be pretty useful as a portable recording machine, right? With no fan or anything inside it you could just take a cheap usb interface with you and record on the go but if you're going to do that you're probably not going to do it on a thousand pound laptop yeah and i think the problem with that is that that usb audio was a little bit flaky i don't know if that's because i bought the cheapest hub thing that i could for 25 quid but i wouldn't want to rely on this to record in linux i don't think yeah and that's the feeling that i got kind of throughout is that It was really good to play with, but it's certainly nowhere near daily driver ready. For example, on my Mac Mini, uh, it would only output at 1920 by 1080, even when it was plugged into a 1440p or a 1440p ultra-wide display, Mm. uh, which the Mac Mini is usually capable of driving. I know it's just using a frame buffer at the moment to output the video to, um, and I'm sure I could have kind of gone in and changed the X config and stuff to get the proper resolution. Yeah, but it's not 2002, it's 2022. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even though it's using a frame buffer, it would be nice to you know, have had some commonly used resolutions in there. But then again, this is an alpha, right? And it is an alpha of Arch Linux on what is a fairly esoteric set of hardware. So 
I'm not going to knock it too much for that, I don't think. Oh, yeah. It was broadly fine. And the fact that it's, you know, in just over a year gone from a completely new CPU to we've got Linux running on this and it is somewhat usable for, you know, most desktop tasks if you take out audio and video acceleration. I was quite impressed. Yeah, I'm very impressed with the technical achievement of it. And like we said, it is an alpha and it's the first alpha as well. So you can't judge it too harshly. Just as you say, even getting a desktop booted on here is impressive. And uh, it defaults to Plasma, but you can install whatever you like, seemingly. I installed XFCE and GNOME on there. And um, GNOME is funny. It was telling me that the battery life was not very good at all the estimated time left, uh, whereas XFC was much better and Plasma were, it was significantly better. I guess in GNOME it's doing a lot of fancy visual effects on the CPU, which is not going to be good for battery life, is it? No, but it was smooth. It did feel noticeably warm after I'd used it, though, which has never happened with macOS on this device. So that that has to come down to just taxing the CPU loads. But it's powerful enough to cope with it, it seems. Yeah, that's broadly what I found. So like you, I installed XFCE, I installed GNOME, and I installed Mate from the Arch repos. And yeah, it was fine. All of them worked. All of them you know, seemed reasonably snappy. Uh, you know, I even managed to get YouTube playback and stuff working smoothly in software rendering, which I didn't expect, to be honest with you. I kind of expected that to be a little bit choppy, but it was as fine as as fine as it could be. Like you, I noticed the fan kicking in a little bit on the Mac Mini. So there's probably some optimization there that's a lot better in macOS than is in Linux. Yeah, I haven't got a fan, of course. Mine just gets nice and warm instead. Yeah, of course. And I noticed it kicking in quite an amount with some of the testing I was doing with it in headless mode as well. But then again, the fan in the Mac Mini is so quiet that unless I was really putting my ear up to it, I wouldn't have heard it. There's a few other little annoyances or bugs, you might say. The brightness situation, you can toggle it off and on the screen in terms of brightness but there are no steps and the on brightness is determined by the last brightness that you had when you were last booted into macOS. right okay yeah that that's a little bit annoying isn't it but again it's one of those things that it's a first alpha yeah they're gonna work this stuff out in time i would hope yeah exactly and um wi-fi can sometimes be a bit ropey i found presumably you were using ethernet though I was mostly using Ethernet, although I did try it on Wi-Fi and I found the signal strength to be awful comparative to what it is in macOS. And I was struggling to pull more than about 20 megabits down on my 300 meg connection over Wi-Fi. So, yeah, I just plugged in an Ethernet cable and it was fine. Oh, that's weird because the Wi-Fi has been absolutely fine for me. Once it's working, it's like either it works perfectly or it doesn't connect when you first boot it and you have to toggle Wi-Fi off and on again and then it starts working again. Yeah, again, I guess I'm using the Mac Mini, right? So the antennas are probably deep within that metal box. So it's never going to be quite as good as it is on the on the MacBook Air. But I mean, it, it was fine. You know, I didn't expect great performance over Wi-Fi. I've seen weirdness with the Wi-Fi in macOS as well on that machine. So it's a desktop. Broadly, people are going to plug it into Ethernet if it's available anyway. So I did have some issues when I tried to get rid of Asahi. In the original documentation, it just said, oh, it's fine, you can just delete the partitions and go back to normal. But uh, it turns out that if you try and do that with macOS's graphical utility, it's just not happening and you have to use the command line for it. Yeah, I had the same experience. Say I tried to delete the partition in macOS, that 
didn't work with the disk utility. So I used the disk utility command line, which did allow me to delete the partition. But then I found that I was unable to resize the macOS APFS container back to fill the full disk. Yeah. Even after a reinstall of macOS, mm. it was still only showing as like 160 gig or whatever. It's just like I was almost unable to reclaim that space. That's exactly what I found. So I set aside a little bit more space, installed Asahi on that, booted into it, and then just started deleting partitions willy-nilly in uh, Gparted, and that's when it all went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing um, and managed to remove something which made the Mac completely unbootable. And you know, we were talking in our Telegram group about this, and you'd literally done it the day before me. And even though I was quite careful about what I thought I was deleting, clearly had not been careful enough and yeah managed to brick the machine and it would just boot into some kind of recovery mode i didn't even get to a recovery mode all i got was just a screen with an exclamation mark and support.apple.com slash mac slash restore which you go to and it says yeah you need another mac and so i had to uh, get hold of a cheap mac mini to fix it it turns out there is a bit of software that you can use in linux called iDevice restore so i didn't need to get hold of a mac mini but I would still be more confident using the official tool from Apple than a bit of open source software. Maybe that's wrong of me. Maybe I should have more faith in it. But that's not a problem you have because you've got plenty of Macs from work and stuff, haven't you? Yeah, so I ended up just loading up the Apple configurator on another Mac, booting the Mac Mini into DFU mode, which was effectively plug the power cord in, hold the power button down while you're doing it. The light flashes orange on the front. It shows up in Apple Configurator, and then you can restore it. Even after I did that and then reinstalled macOS, I had a weird issue where, for some reason, it wouldn't allow me to activate the Mac with iCloud. So I had to then reinstall again. That resolved that, um, and then that's when I got Asahi Linux reinstalled again, and everything seemed fine. You say DFU mode is easy on a Mac Mini, but it's not on a MacBook Air. You have to hold down a specific set of keys and you have to time it exactly right and that's it's really difficult yeah the website i found literally said doing this on a mac mini is easy <laughs> so <thank> goodness <laughs> right. i don't have one of the other ones because i tried for hours with a virtual machine of mac os but unfortunately the usb pass-through didn't work properly because it kept disconnecting and like reappearing as different usb devices i'm sure i could have made that work if i knew more about USB pass-through, but uh, in the end, it was just much, much easier to use a Mac Mini for it. Yeah, I mean, it was even fairly sketchy under Mac OS. I ended up having to use the USB-C cable that came with an old MacBook. Um, I say old, but like the any of the USB-C cables that I had laying around, even a Thunderbolt cable, just would not work. I had to use the USB cable that came with the charger for a MacBook Pro, and then it was fine. But any other cable I used just kept failing out with weird errors or hangs. Oh, that's weird. I just used a standard USB-C cable that I got off Amazon for a few quid. Yeah, I tried to use an Anchor one. I tried to use a CalDigit Thunderbolt 4 cable that I used for my dock. Uh, nothing worked until I used the actual charging cable that came with a MacBook. It's very strange. All right, well, we talked about the desktop. What is it like headless? Because that, to me, seems like the most usable and useful application for SIE Linux right now as we record. Yeah, so I think I said in our hopes for the year that one of my hopes was that Asahi would release an installer, um, so I guess I get a point there. 
But I did say that my hope was that they'd do it so that I could use the Mac Mini as a home server because it's low-powered, it's relatively powerful. So I kind of did a few tests on it, broadly trying to install Docker, which worked first time without hitch. Got a couple of applications running, no issues there. It's got NFS storage backed off to my file server. All seems absolutely fine. One thing I did notice, though, is that if you use the headless install, you don't get any kind of out-of-box experience or any way to pre-configure users or passwords. You just get a default user of alarm with a password of alarm and a default root user of root with a password of root, which for an alpha, probably okay, but it would be good for them to sort that out, I think, before they generally release it. I don't know about that because if you are taking an M1 Mac and installing a headless version of Arch on it, and you don't know how to do password and set up accounts and stuff, then maybe it's not for you. Yeah, maybe it's not, but it wouldn't have been hard to change. Yeah, set it so the password needs to be changed at first log on or something like that. It would have been doable. But yeah, I take your point. Um, and it's not like it has SSH installed by default or anything. Say so the attack surface is fairly small, but it was just in stark contrast to the desktop version that had you know a much nicer experience where that was concerned. Surely that's because the desktop is like the flagship experience. It's the uh, thing that people are going to make YouTube videos about and whatnot. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think people are going to make YouTube videos and stuff and play with the desktop a bit more, but I think the real utility is probably in the command line and headless version. Yeah. I did try a few other things. So I tried to get uh, KVM installed, but didn't manage to get it installed and working because I thought it'd be great if I could just stick a couple of ARM Ubuntu VMs on here. Yeah. It'd make it kind of much easier to back them up and stuff, but I couldn't get KVM working on it. I maybe could have got QEMU or something running on it, but to be honest with you, I didn't have the time to try this week. But yeah, Docker was absolutely fine. I think a few people have said that it'd make a really good Plex server. So I got Plex installed on it in again inside a container because I just deploy all of my applications in containers. Without GPU acceleration, the performance is pretty good. I managed to scale to two transcodes of uh, H.265 video down to 1080p from 4K. So that was pretty good. Previously, I've needed like an i7 CPU to do that without GPU acceleration, say, yeah, clearly the M1's doing that at a lot lower of a power envelope. Was the fan quite loud, though, doing that? I wouldn't say it was loud. The fan was definitely running, but it wasn't loud. Like, it's quieter than the small form factor Dell machine that I have been running as, like, a test bench machine for a while. So it was it was fairly quiet, to be honest with you. And I suppose even if you peg in the CPU, you're probably not even using anywhere near as much power as an x86 machine. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any hard numbers on power, but when I was doing that transcode in Plex to uh, my MacBook and an Apple TV, you know, I was sitting at you know 90 plus percent CPU on all eight cores, and the thing was still cold to the touch with the fan running. So it's going to be fairly efficient, I think. Mm-hmm. It's worth mentioning that in the Asahi documentation, there are instructions for Debian and Fedora, but it's nowhere near as simple as this Arch-based distro to get installed. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that struck me was just how easy it was to get installed. I was expecting a real faff. But aside from uh, having to delete some Time Machine snapshots and update the machine to macOS 12.3 because it had been on a shelf for a while waiting for Asahi to come out, it was relatively straightforward, right? It was just curl pipe bash and follow through the installer. 
Yeah, which is text-based, but is very, very straightforward. Oh, yeah, it, it was super simple, right? I just entered that I wanted Asahi to have 100 gigs of disk space. Uh, I pressed 2 or whatever it was for the headless version, and everything was fine. It installed, it rebooted a couple of times, uh, and then I was up and running. So, yeah, it was really, really painless to get installed. All in all, then, this is a really good start, I think, and I'm just eating my words because I originally said that this was just going to go nowhere. Apple would make it too hard for them. But I've just been proven wrong. And I can't wait to see what happens over the next year in terms of refinement and hopefully getting more stuff like GPU acceleration working. Because even on the lowest end device, the MacBook Air, it's still very usable. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm really impressed as to you know, how far it's come in a year. And yeah, the fact that I managed to literally install Linux on it with a single command is really testament to to what they're doing over there like you i'm interested to see where it is in a year's time i'm probably not going to put it into production as my home server yet just because i think we've said before in our burnout episode of linux after dark i don't have the time to be troubleshooting it and dealing with it particularly running arch as a production server but yeah i'm yeah excited about where it goes and i think this is is really positive for an alpha one build well thank you very much for joining me gary and uh I suppose I'll see you in 10 minutes when we record Linux After Dark then. Indeed, yeah, see you in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>